Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and my guest on today's show is Dr. Shivani Kamodia Barto. After graduating dental school in 2018, Dr. Kamodia Barto practiced for three years before life took her to Japan and put her clinical career on hold. Dr. Shivani has since put her background as a yoga teacher to work and is now building a wellness coaching business for other dentists. She shares all of her insights on the burnout and stress associated with dentistry in our conversation. As a reminder, our company, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists leaving clinical with the financial piece of that transition, specifically how to reduce that massive lifetime tax bill and how to optimize living off your assets. If you are interested in guidance on your taxes and your income as you exit clinical, schedule an initial consultation with us on our website, which is dentistexit.com. Again, schedule your consultation at dentistexit.com. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Kamodia Barto. All right, Dr. Shivani Kamodia Barto, welcome to Dentist Puns and Money. I am excited to hear your story. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I always like to start the podcast with some background on each guest. Would you be willing to share with the audience just some of the key elements, the highlights of your journey and sort of how you've reached this current point of your career? Absolutely. So I am originally from upstate New York. I went to college at University of Buffalo and then dental school at University of Michigan. Graduated from dental school in 2018. I met my husband there. And while he was in residency in San Antonio, Texas, I was practicing as an associate dentist. I'm a general dentist. And after our time there, my husband is also in the Navy. And for his job, we were brought to Okinawa, Japan for a three-year commitment. And so I left my job in clinical dentistry. And now we're, we've been living here for about a year and a half. So I'm tuning in today from Japan. And we've got another year and a half here. And so it's been a very interesting journey going from focused for the majority of my life on this one goal of becoming a dentist and practicing, and then now leaving that job and starting something else. So it's been an interesting journey. And maybe for the audience, are you currently practicing as a general dentist or how has that move affected your, your dental, your clinical dental? Yeah. So just because of rules and regulations, I am not able to practice clinical dentistry while we're out here. And so that has allowed me to open some other doors of opportunity. And I guess I can backtrack a little bit as well. So in 2012, I did a yoga teacher training. It was when I was doing my undergraduate degree. Um, One of the summer breaks, I went to Costa Rica for a month and I did a 200-hour yoga teacher training. And so since then, since 2012, for over 10 years, I've been teaching yoga asanas. So I've been teaching um, at different yoga studios, campus gyms, um, you know, the, the works of it all. And it's been something that's really changed the trajectory of my life. I think it's changed my perspective as a dental student of how to manage stress, as a dentist, how to manage the physical stress that we experience. And it's been really important to me throughout my entire educational and professional career. So when we moved out here to Japan, I 
wanted to focus fully on joining the my yoga world and my dental world and making yoga and wellness more accessible to healthcare professionals. So with your future or no future in clinical dentistry, I guess not pinning you down to to where you want to go eventually, it sounds like you guys are going to move back stateside at some point, or at least that's the plan. Where does clinical yes. dentistry fit into that for you? Yeah, I guess it's a big question mark still. So I, you know, I have always, like I said, been really passionate about sharing yoga and wellness with other healthcare professionals and having the time and space to fully commit myself to building a business based on that has been all consuming. It's been very time consuming. And so my goal was that I would be able to build a sustaining business within our three-year time here while I was taking a break from clinical dentistry. And then as we move back to the US, have some sort of hybrid. So be able to practice clinical dentistry on my own terms, maybe that's part-time or in some unique time way. Perhaps it's, you know, just covering for people, locums tenens, or taking a period of time off every year so I can focus on my business. And so that's something that I'm open to see what happens. And hopefully, you know, by the time we leave, I am in a position with my wellness business where I feel comfortable giving up this time freedom that I have. Because I will say having the time freedom of not having to go to an office and not practicing clinical dentistry and then coming home and then working on my side gig has been really what's moved the needle for me. So it's definitely been an adjustment, I would say with time management, but I'm very happy that I've had this opportunity. So yeah, if you would share a little bit more about your wellness business that you've been working on uh, while you've been in Okinawa in Japan and sort of what that is and, and who you are trying to help with what you're doing. Yeah. So I started yoga just because every time I went to a yoga class, I felt amazing after and my body felt amazing. It helped me prevent injuries and prevent pain. And then it also really helped my mind. And just going into a 60-minute class, going for an hour yoga class a couple times a week really helped me as a person throughout many years of my life. And as I got deeper in my practice, as I got deeper in my yoga teacher training, I you know, learned about many different aspects of yoga that are not physical. Um, so that can be meditation, breath work. And there's a whole philosophy that we don't, that's not as current in our culture. So I learned a lot about this wellness philosophy. I think of yoga almost like the OG personal development, right? It's been around for thousands of years and it's kind of the original way that people were able to better themselves. And there's a, a late, really well laid out structure for how we can do that. And I spent a lot of my time learning and really throwing myself into how I can be a better version of myself and live a happier, more fulfilled, flourishing life. You know, that's always the goal for people is, right, how can I be better and live better? And yoga is kind of like a roadmap to that, as well as wellness and personal development. So my tiny passion of, I shouldn't say tiny passion, but my small view of how yoga can affect people's lives grew much bigger over this 10-year period that I've been teaching. 
And I, I really wanted to share it with other people. You know, I see a lot of people in pain in dentistry, physically and emotionally. It's a very stressful job. We take on a lot of stress. And if I could just share a couple things that I learned along the way and make that job easier for some people, that was really my goal, was help preventing some of that unnecessary pain and stress that we feel in this job and allow dentists to live a better life and just by making some small lifestyle changes. And as we moved out here, I, well, again, I'll backtrack a little bit. So my life really changed when I started engaging in immersive events. So meaning, like I mentioned, I went to my yoga teacher training. That was something that I went to for 30 days. I was fully there. It was immersive and transformational. And every experience when I reflect in that 10-year period that I've really learned or transformed or it's really changed my life, it's been immersive. Mm. So it's maybe it's a three-day like personal development weekend workshop, or maybe it's going on this like epic backpacking trip around a certain area of the world. Um, there, there are times when I've withdrawn from like my normal life and I've been able to put on a different identity or a different hat and just allow myself to experience the environment that I'm in and fully embody some of these techniques and habits and practices that we learn. So I've noticed that it's really hard to just go to a 60-minute yoga class and feel like your whole life has changed. You need a little bit more time than that. And so that's where I learned that maybe my passion isn't just teaching these 60-minute classes. It's something bigger. Maybe my purpose is something bigger. And that's where I fell in love with retreats. So creating this special place, this immersive experience where I can bring people together and teach them and take them through an experience, right? So a, a retreat, a yoga retreat or a wellness retreat can be three days long. It can be seven days long. It can be a month long. Uh, it just kind of varies. It can be in many different locations around the world, but usually they're in beautiful tropical areas. And I get to teach people all of these things that I've learned. And it's not just in that one hour yoga class. It's in this multi-day immersive experience. And so I felt really, really called to creating yoga retreats and wellness retreats for healthcare professionals where I can teach other people things that I've learned. And I also recognize I don't know everything. And I can also bring in people who can teach us together. And so we all have our own individual magic gift that we can share for the world. And one of my gifts is just creating the space to bring other people in where we can all learn from each other. And so hosting retreats is my core of my business. Uh, in addition to that, I also do one-on-one coaching and group coaching. So if you have a specific goal, if a healthcare professional has a specific goal, uh, they want to live a better life or they feel like they their stress level is a 10 out of 10 right now, I can work with them in a group setting or a one-on-one setting and help them reduce that number. So their stress level can come down to a 5 out of 10, a 3 out of 10. We'll never be at a 0 out of 10, but the goal is to be able to lower stress levels and teach people how to manage stress better and increase their quality of life and their, their fulfillment, their happiness, and their flourishing. So that's it in a nutshell, what my business looks like. 
uh, hosting retreats, coaching. And then I also have an online course where it's it's more like pre-recorded on-demand type of content because I know as busy dentists, sometimes having lots of meetings after work is actually not the thing that you want to do. If you have a patient cancellation or you have an extra gap of time, you're able to like log into this platform that I've created and watch a couple of videos on how to be a better version of yourself. So much interesting stuff there and had never considered the immersive element into really getting this in, into something that will help you get into something in a way that it actually has an impact long term. So as someone who is a little bit more inclined on the self-improvement stuff, generally speaking, uh, I like that. And I like, uh, did you call yoga OG personal development? Is that the term you <laughs> <Yeah>. use? Because <laughs> yeah. it's been around yeah. for some, thousands of years. I love that. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, personal development, the, the whole field of that that's out there right now, or mastery or optimization, there's a lot of different words for it. We're all teaching each other the same things. It's just a different vocabulary. And, you know, science is now catching up with many of the things that yoga has been teaching us for thousands of years. So for breathwork, for example, breathwork has been a part of the yoga philosophy and yoga practice for so long. And now in the last, I would say five years or so, there's been so much research on the physical benefits and the mental benefits of breath work in regulating our nervous system and you know changing how different stress hormones are released in our body. And we can act scientifically, quantitatively see the effect of breath work. And now there's whole cult following for this like science-based breath work where we've actually been doing it for thousands of years. And so I love that there's so many different ways to think about it and learn and learn about it because my entry point was unique. I think not everyone's attracted to this like old traditional philosophy. And many of us in the dental field love the science. We love to geek out about it. And that's really compelling for us to pick up a new habit of knowing that science is catching up with this old philosophy and saying, okay, now I can really understand why this is good for me and I'm going to start doing it. And it's interesting to me that you had that foundation of yoga before you went to dental school, because I would think that a lot of people that are dentists that are into yoga, and that's a small enough subset of people probably in and of itself, but people getting into yoga, dentists getting into yoga, in my mind, would probably more likely be a reactive thing than a proactive thing. So maybe to back up a little bit for you, what was it like having that foundation with yoga going into the stress of dental school? And how did you see other people experiencing that stress of dental school? And I'm guessing that you maybe one time or another prompted some people that you were friends with in dental school to consider it yoga as a practice is what I was alluding to. Yeah, I, I've been known to be a yoga pusher around my friends. <laughs> I'm always the one to say, someone has an ache or pain. I'm like, oh, you should try this pose. Um, <laughs> There's worse things to but, push than yoga. So that's good. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I'm not immune to stress. And I will say as a young student in my early 20s, um, I didn't always practice what I preached. But it did, I did at least have the information. I had the knowledge. And I think I did the best I could with what I had at the time, especially in dental school when they're during the depths of it, when you have just so much going on and there is a lot of demand coming from you. For me, being able to go into this yoga studio and for an hour 
put on this calm voice and be able to go and move my body in a way that I know is going to make me feel better was like a vacation. It was like a, a paradise, something I could escape to and be able to leave that place knowing that I'm always going to feel better. You know, I rarely meet people who say that like they regret going to that yoga class. And I think having, being the teacher gives me the account, it gave me the accountability. So a lot of times as a student, there would, you know, I wish that I could have just spent the extra hour in the library or in, in the sim lab or, you know, catching up on work. But I was, you know, I had that commitment of I'm teaching this class. I have to be there and show up. And that was the ultimate commitment that that gave me the consistency because yoga is not about how flexible you are or you know how strong you are. It's about how consistent you are and, um, and wellness in general. And, you know, when I say yoga, I'm really talking about the whole umbrella of wellness. It's all about that consistency. And so the fact that I was a teacher forced me to be consistent. And I think that's what I needed. I needed that accountability. And I think a lot of my peers around me didn't have that meaning they didn't, they weren't required by anyone to show up on their yoga mats um, several times a week. Whereas I really had that requirement or I set that as something that I needed to do for myself. And I think that changed the way that I processed the stress and managed the stress. And I was always able to see challenges in dental school. And even as an, as a practicing dentist, as an opportunity for growth and knowing that the outcome, it's not so much about the outcome, it's about the journey. And no matter what, I'm still going to be able to define success on my own terms. So it changed my mindset of what it means to like reach for goals and what success, how I define success. I think that's really what it changed for me and being less attached to that end outcome and being okay to fail. You know, you can fall out of a yoga pose. You can, you know, not do it perfectly, but at the end of the day, you're still showing up as that best version of yourself. And I think what I learned on my yoga mat, I was able to carry out through other parts of my life. One of my close yoga dental friends, Dr. Diana Liu, she's a the Zentist on Instagram, she always says your yoga mat's like a training ground for life, right? So what you practice of uh, staying in uncomfortable poses on your yoga mat, the, the brain training that you're doing and the body training of training your nervous system to overcome discomfort and to overcome maybe when you do fail or you fall out of a, a pose or you feel like you can't do something, it's a training ground to be able to prove to yourself that you can grow, that you can overcome, and that success is always defined on your own terms. What have you learned about Dennis and since you've been able to immerse yourself more in this in this wellness business the last year and a half, because you're not focusing too on practicing clinical, what are you learning about burnout and stress among your fellow dentists? I have two answers to that. The first one is probably how we define success. So I think we've spent years, decades being groomed to be specifically goal oriented on certain things. And that really sets us up for failure of saying like, I'll be happy once I graduate dental school, I'll be happy once I make my first million or once I open my own practice or, you know, the, the goalpost keeps moving mm. or it's like, I'll have time to commit to my own well-being 
once I do X, Y, Z. And so that definition of success, I, I realize for a lot of dentists is really wrapped up in our identity and it's very culturally conditioned into us. So there's nothing, I don't want to say that's like a bad way to live, but I think it can really set you up for unhappiness because you'll realize when you do reach those goals that maybe you're not, you don't feel the way that you thought you would feel. Mm. And so I always coach my clients to redefine what success means to you and really like what does success feel like to you? And then how can we make that more accessible every single day? So instead of success being a destination or your goal being a destination, what is the feeling or the emotion that you're chasing? And oftentimes the things that come up are the word freedom. You know, a lot of people want financial freedom. They want time freedom, location freedom. They just want the freedom to do whatever they want. And when you peel the onion and you take back the the layer on top of that, the question then becomes, well, what does freedom feel like to you? And for me, it's like not setting an alarm. It's, It's feeling like I'm on vacation every day or a little bit of vacation every day. And then I can say, well, how can I design my life where I do have that? Maybe it's drinking my coffee, watching the sunrise. That feels like I'm on vacation. Or maybe it's going to bed at like 8 p.m. So that way I don't have to set an alarm in the morning because I'm just going to end up waking up at like 6 a.m. when I have to or even earlier. <laughs> uh, and so it's it's all about like redefining and changing your perspective of what that success can feel like. And yes, it's important to have goals in life. Uh, that is a key part of our fulfillment. But it's also uh, knowing that it's more about the emotional feeling that we're chasing. Uh, you think maybe when you when you start your own practice, you're going to feel a certain way, or maybe when you retire, you're going to feel a certain way. And oftentimes that is not in alignment. So creating more alignment between what we want and why we want it. And then the second part of that answer, so you, the question I think was, what do I see as common themes in burnout and dentistry? Yeah. What, what have you yeah. learned about stress and burnout among dentists that you've worked with in the last year and a half that provides some insight to people that are listening? Yeah. So the second thing I've learned is let's say you get everything you want in the world. You have like the perfect schedule. All of your patients are amazing. You're working part-time, but you're making full-time money or you know whatever those like ideal, that ideal world is. Unless you do the inner work, you're still going to feel like there's something missing. And that comes from like the conditioning that we've spent 10 or 20 years in this busy environment where we have learned that, you know, our nervous system, our body and our mind have been conditioned to a certain baseline. Mm -hmm. So for many dentists, our baseline is busy. And when we're not busy, something feels wrong, something feels off. So maybe you have that ideal schedule where you're not busy anymore. And you, you're like, okay, so I'm not busy anymore. All my stress should go away. And I actually learned this. I'll say this personally, because I felt, oh man, I'm done practicing clinical dentistry for a couple of years. My life is going to be perfect. And then we moved here and I realized like, oh, my stress kind of followed me here. Maybe dentistry wasn't causing the stress. Maybe it's it was something within myself. And so I had been used to this like certain level of stress and busyness. And 
I started to re- find other things in my life to to get busy with. I just wanted to fill that space, fill that gap. And a lot of people experience this. So, and you probably can relate to this as you work with a lot of dentists who are exiting clinical dentistry is that we like don't know what to do with our hands. We just like, <laughs> we feel, we feel that like anxiety that bubbles up where we just have this big blank space. We worked so hard to create. And then now we don't know what, how to fill that space. And unhappiness really comes when we have a lack of focus. And so if we, our nervous system has been at a high level of stress, that's our baseline for us to take, change our environment, the nervous system is going to stay there. So we need to do nervous system training. And we basically need to retrain our minds and bodies to lower our stress levels, to be able to manage stress better. And the ideal ways to do that are through yoga, breath work, meditation, physical activity, you know, all the healthy wellness habits that we learn about. And then the the last part of that is actually technology. So I think, the, and this is something I learned about myself. And as I've been coaching clients over the last year that I've learned is that it's 100% adds more stress into our lives. So are you familiar with the analogy of the stress bucket? I'm not, but I'm all ears. Okay. So, you know, if you imagine a bucket, a metaphorical bucket that contains our stress, we all have a bucket and it's the water or the rain that's filling the bucket is the stressors that we have in our life. So perhaps it's work stressors, family things, health issues, natural disasters. It's oftentimes when we have an increased demand and a lack of resources is when we feel stressed or we have a stressor and we have this bucket in ourselves that contains all of this stress. And then we've got taps at the bottom that help us relieve that stress. So we've got, you know, proper sleep, physical activity, whatever you like to do for fun that helps relieve stress. And when there's an imbalance, when the stressors, when Things are filling our bucket too fast and we're Mm -hmm. not able to relieve that stress fast enough. So when the stressors outpace our capacity to relieve that stress, that's when we can burn out. And we have sneaky things that we do that feel like we're relieving stress. And that is often overconsumption of things such as technology, news, Netflix, alcohol, food, online shopping. So when we overconsume those things as a coping mechanism for stress, it actually just recycles the stress right back into our bucket. Hmm. So we're putting ourselves, we're priming ourselves for that burnout without properly relieving stress. And I've learned that technology is like a huge way that we recycle stress. And when we can build a healthier relationship with technology when we feel like it's not using us and we're using it as a tool and we're not spending three plus hours of screen time scrolling on our phone, we are able to properly relieve stress. So technology is a really, really big one. And especially personally in my life, I still struggle with it. And I'll say, if it's hard for you to connect to that statement that I just made, like think about what you would do if you're waiting for an elevator or like if you're waiting in line at the grocery store, your default is just to like take out your phone Mm -hmm. and check your email or scroll on Instagram. And that is taking away this really precious time that your mind has to process 
the stress that's going on around you or life in general. There's a lot of really magical things happen that heal our mind and body when we're idle, when there's little pockets of solitude throughout our day. So when we're constantly reaching for our phone, it's just like re just perpetuating that cycle of needing to keep our baseline of busy, that level highs. Cause we feel like, oh, there's nothing going on. Let me reach for my phone and check my email. And so it's like perpetuating this cycle of busyness. So it's a long-winded answer as a way to say that I've noticed some common themes mm-hmm. in, in dentists that tend to feel stressed out and technologies is one of those. So interesting because, and I can relate to a lot of this in just what I do myself personally. And one of the reasons I enjoy working with dentists is because I have a similar personality, I think, to a lot of dentists. But dentists are high achievers and they're very efficient. And I'm guessing that if they, they're not going 100 miles an hour all the time, they, there's some part of them that feels lazy or like they're not living up to their potential. And what I hear you saying is that the the bar needs to get reset a little bit just in terms of like what productive is and what non-productive is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, rest is productive. (laughs) Rest is productive. I will say that a hundred times I will die on that mountain. Rest is productive. And that is something that culturally in America, we don't acknowledge. I think we're starting to. And I think a lot of people, I think with you know burnout being so prevalent now, mm-hmm. um, we have to. And you, know, you can't show up as the best version of yourself. You can't be as productive in the office if, you're, if you are in pain, if you injured your back or you're not taking time off, if you're mentally burnt out as well you're not going to be able to show up as the best version of yourself. And you're literally going to make less money because you're not practicing at your like optimum level. So rest is productive and taking, I mean, just like with a car, right? You wouldn't like run a car for 30 years straight without turning it off and getting it for a tune-up. So why would you do the same thing to your body? And yeah, rest is productive. (laughs) My question that comes out of that is for dentists that are running on the edge of burnout all the time and sort of recognize it, can they work themselves out of that on their own very well? Or in your experience, does it, does it take someone else to sort of untangle that, that ball for them to give them permission to live life in a different way with different objectives? Yeah. I've tried it both ways and it just takes longer on your own. It's, it's just a little messier. And if there's someone that's like been in your shoes before and they kind of know the path, why not hold their hand and like, let them guide you to the other side. And I think that's what coaching is. You know, I've always worked with a therapist and I've always worked with a coach. And I think those two in conjunction has been really helpful because it allowed me to see the blind spots that I might not realize that I had. And yes, you can learn it all on your own. There's lots of books and podcasts and resources like different people you can learn from. But I think having someone take you through it, and it doesn't even need to be someone that's like Tony Robbins or like this big guru. It can be someone who is a dentist who maybe a couple years ago, they went through the same burnout recovery, and now they can tell you how to overcome it and basically guide you. Uh, 
and it can be a friend. It doesn't have to be a coach. It can be someone that maybe you've developed a relationship with, a mentor, but having help. And I think being comfortable with asking for help is really key. So we've been chatting about a lot of interesting stuff for a half hour or so. Before we uh, start to wrap things up, is there anything that I haven't hit on that you think would be important to convey to the audience? I guess I'll, I'll say for dentists who are earlier in their careers, like I am, and they've been wanting to live life differently. I think my whole generation sees that we don't have to follow the standard roadmap of, you know, open and private practice, practice for 30 years alone without an associate and then retire. Like, I think that is now out the window for many of us. And, you know, I would encourage dentists who are my age or early in their careers to start building their, I don't want to say side gigs, but start building your passions outside of dentistry and get to know yourself again. Because for the last 10 to 20 years, you've been so focused on one specific goal and you are so much more than a dentist than just a dentist. You have so many more dimensions and ways that you can help people, passions, strengths that you that you have. And to be able to develop those parts of yourself outside of dentistry is really is a really powerful way to to do all the things that I talked about, like redefine your vision for success and how success feels to you. And it gives you the confidence to know that if and when you ever want to step away from dentistry or create a hybrid where you practice part-time and do something else that also gives you fulfillment, then you have the strength, the courage, and that foundation already set. So for those that are listening that are interested in a lot of what you're saying and are interested in learning more about you and, and your your company and potentially working with you, what's the best way to, to reach out and to get in touch and to learn more? Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a website, drshavasana.com. I thought it's a fun plan. My name Shivani and Shavasana, which is one of the best yoga poses. Uh, it's the final yoga pose where you lay down and you like go to sleep basically. Um, so drshavasana.com, uh, you can find all of the information on one-on-one coaching, my online course and my retreats and um, Instagram. I love sharing my life there. I think although te- I have a rocky relationship with technology and I've had to create a lot of boundaries. I love being able to share the beautiful things that I experience in life and connect with other people there. So people can always DM me and I'm happy to chat. And from following you on Instagram, since we scheduled this podcast a couple months ago, it is a a very beautiful life that you live. So I enjoy seeing some of the beautiful scenery of of Japan and Okinawa. Thank you for, for sharing your life with everyone. The name of the podcast is Dentist Puns and Money. Do you have a Funny joke you'd like to share? Yeah, I have a a yoga joke. Oh, let's see if I can pull it up. I didn't memorize it. (laughs) Well, the one is that I've been teaching yoga for a decade. It's been a long stretch, (laughs) which I thought was funny. (laughs) And the other yoga joke is how does T-Rex feel after practicing yoga? I don't know. It feels like a dinosaur. (laughs) There must be something with uh, dinosaurs and dental jokes because a lot of them are, uh, they always seem like there's a, there's a dinosaur reference in a lot of dental jokes I hear, but uh, no, those are both good. And uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, That is Dr. Shivani Kamodia Barto, dentist and wellness coach for dentists. Dr. Shivani, thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom and for being guests on Dentist Puns and Money. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening and following along. Are you a dentist nearing your retirement from clinical or have you already hung up your handpiece? Would you like a treatment plan for the financial components of your exit from clinical? Our company, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists like you reduce taxes in retirement and optimize how to best live off your assets, including the ideal time for you to start taking Social Security. If you'd like guidance on those critical pieces or just a second opinion, schedule an initial consultation with us on our website. Our web address is dentistexit.com and there's no obligation for your initial consultation. That website again, dentistexit.com. As a reminder, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors, LLC. Please consult with your accountant and attorney for tax and legal advice. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and his guests, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment, tax planning, or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.